Welcome to the Rust Belt Rundown, brought to you by Rust Belt Recruiting. This podcast is designed to shine a light on the meaningful work being done in Northeast Ohio and the surrounding region. We will convene manufacturing executives and Northeast Ohio business leaders for candid discussions about their business, regional happenings, industry trends, entrepreneurship, and more. Now, let's get running on the rundown. Welcome, everyone, to episode 39 of the Rust Belt Rundown, a Rust Belt recruiting production. I am your host, Paul O'Connor, and on this episode, we are joined by Ryan Landau, founder of Purpose Jobs. Ryan, welcome to the show. Paul, thanks for having me, my friend. Uh, great, great to be here. So uh, we're going to talk a lot about you and Purpose Jobs, but before all of that, uh, you have completed five Ironmans in your life, if I read correctly. Um, the choice to put your body and mind and, and soul through something so grueling is not for everyone. So my question is, you know, what is the motivation to, to continue to do those? Most people would say after one, I've done it. I'm done. Yeah, it's a it's a good question, and uh, I, <laughs> I I appreciate the research that that is accurate. Um, yeah, I, I think obviously physically it's tough, but for me it's always like the mental challenge because when you're competing for you know 12, 13 hours and, and essentially working out for that long, um, again the physical you, you you need to have your physical body ready, but mentally you really need to be there. And honestly, when I find that I'm training and I'm really in it. I'm also at the same time, uh, you know, kind of doing my best work at work. Cause I'm just like, so laser focused on and have to be productive. And so, um, yeah, it's kind of a balance of mind and body, but, uh, just appreciate pushing the line every once in a while. What does preparation for an Ironman take? Like, how do you even begin to prepare for 13 hours of workouts? <laughs> Uh, so put, uh, essentially like your work day kind of put together just like a workout schedule and, um, you know, it takes about probably four plus months to get there and really just, um, I mean, the longest stretch is a bike. You're on a bike for 112 miles. I don't even like driving 112 miles, but, uh, <laughs> a lot of just being out there and, uh, you know, a, a lot of consistency. Um, yeah, I don't know if I'm ever going to get an Ironman in my life. I'm, I'm trying to do a half marathon at this point. So, you know what I mean? It's all about baby steps, but, uh, let's, <laughs> let's, let's jump into you. Let's jump into Detroit specifically. Um, I want to talk about the revitalization of Detroit and where the opportunities are for older historic Midwest, Midwest cities like it. Um, and then, I, and then I'll have a follow-up after that. Yeah. So we started this shot about five years ago. Um, and essentially when I was in Detroit and, and, and I'm from Detroit and left for a while, was in DC, then came back uh, because I heard about everything that was happening with Dan Gilbert and kind of the revitalization of the city. And I was like, interesting because when I was growing up, I never thought about working in Detroit. And now everyone's talking about working, living and being there. Um, and so ended up, uh, you know, joining one of his portfolio companies and being there and building a company in Detroit, I thought was like, so interesting, so different than building a company in coastal cities. But the same thing that's happening in Detroit is also the same thing that's happening in uh, Cleveland, Columbus, Pittsburgh, Indianapolis, and all these other cities. And so Purpose Jobs essentially for the last five years um, has really been focused on elevating the middle of the country and really how can we elevate the startup and tech scene here? Um, because traditionally, startup and tech has really just been known to coastal cities. And so um, we've been 
very focused on elevating the, the middle of the country and the community here. And then obviously COVID came along uh, and kind of changed everything. And uh, happy to discuss that more, but um, th that has been our focus five years ago and still remains our, our core focus today. How, you mentioned Dan Gilbert, how important is it to have leaders like him to help move the needle on, on major projects in a city? Yeah, I might be a little biased because I live here, but I, I think it's everything. I mean, someone like him, you know, everyone talked about, oh, we're going to do something in Detroit. And honestly, like talk is cheap. You know, he was the one that was like, all right, I have a business that has 40,000 team members that's scattered throughout the suburbs of Detroit. I am going to collectively bring them all together, build a campus in downtown Detroit. And so um, he had the vision for it too. You know, you can't measure that stuff in a, in a P&L statement and stuff like that. And he has done really well by doing good at the same time. And so I, I think it's um, critically important to have someone like that. And now I think there's a collection of leaders in Detroit doing amazing things, but I think him to start that flywheel, um, very important. We've talked with previous guests about, you know, the quote unquote brain drain um, that Midwest cities over the past, you know, 10 to 20 years have experienced. You know, there's no shortage of top rate universities. So, you know, how can cities like Detroit, Columbus, Cleveland, more effectively retain their talent from major universities? Yeah, well, I think going back to the COVID piece, I, I think that's changed a lot of things and a lot of the narrative. And so I think initially, a lot of these Midwest cities were, you know, having great folks through OSU, Michigan State, Michigan, um, University of Wisconsin. And then they're like, all right, how do I go to a New York, San Francisco and stuff like that? And I think one of the things that COVID did was really helped the middle of the country in an odd way, because obviously terrible for many people um, and really making it a destination to stay. And so um, people are thinking about, okay, I'm graduating college. How can I you know, buy a house in Detroit? How can I raise a family in Detroit? How can I have fun things to do in addition to work? And so I think the brain drain, to use your exact words, I think that was a thing. I don't want to call it a thing of the past because the Midwest still has a long way to go. But but I think people are thinking differently because people value different things coming out of COVID. It's not all about paying $5,000 a month for a apartment in New York and having 400 square feet. So I, I think it's um, people value things different post-pandemic or think about things a little bit differently now. Yep, totally agree. I, I think, uh, you know, the entire workforce has a different relationship uh, with their jobs. Uh, and I think yeah. for the better, you know what I mean? I think a lot of people were struggling and, and overworking and hustle culture and all these mm. different things. And I think to your point, we had a, a cultural and societal reset. Yeah, I, I think things like remote work, flexibility, work-life balance, you know, all of these things, from my perspective, they're nothing new. Um, but what just happened is, uh, you know, COVID accelerated those trains and, and, and made them not only just important to a subgroup of people that a very small percentage of us was remote working. Now, a lot of us, that is like our, we want to be remote working, hybrid working, and probably the, the last option is in office five days a week. And so, again, not new, but COVID has helped accelerate a lot of those things. Yeah. Um, if you were in charge of convincing companies to move their headquarters, you can pick a Midwest city, uh, yeah. you know, Chicago, Indianapolis, Detroit, you know, what are your three selling points? What are you, what are you hitting them with? Yeah, I think a couple things. One, customers. I think it's good to be just close to your customers. And so if you were to ask me even a more specific question is, hey, should I tell company X to move to Columbus, Detroit, Indianapolis? Um, my answer would be is like, what does the company do? Where are your customers? 
strategically to them. So I think that's part one um, is being close to your customers, proximity, also talent, right? There's amazing candidates here um, that are looking for jobs and, and, and not only people that if you're looking for a software engineer, not only is cost of living, you know, a little bit lower here than in San Francisco and New York, but also retention is much higher. People aren't looking to go from one company to the next. And so I, I think there's a lot of reasons, but I'm going to boil it down to customers, candidates, um, and then also just like life, um, being able to do things in addition um, to work, which is maybe have a house, maybe be on the lake, maybe be in the forest. Like there's so many other things that I think you can enjoy life in, in the Midwest. The switching gears a little bit, the, the yeah. technology sector, um, along with the entire economy, stock market, S&P, everything has, has been in the news lately for obviously not so uh, great updates. Um, the specific question I had for you in terms of technology companies, just about layoffs, you know, we seem to see this happen a lot where, and again, not specific to technology, but, you know, big companies will go on huge hiring sprees and then in a short amount of time are forced to lay off a, a, a ton of their workforce. So I guess my question is, what advice do you have for startup founders in the future on how they could potentially avoid these things? Yeah, I, I think to understand why people are getting uh, you know, laid off, there's a little bit of a cause and effect, right? The effect is people are getting laid off. But if you take a few steps back for a founder starting a business, I think the first kind of question is what kind of business do you want to build? Do you want to build a bootstrap profitable business? Do you want to you know, build a business that's raising a lot of venture funding um, and kind of, I don't call it growth at all costs, but really leaning into it. And, and I think it's really important for an individual as you're building, there's not a right and a wrong answer to think about that. Let's go down the VC path for a second. When you raise money from a VC, you're taking on, let's call it a million dollars, whatever the number is, it actually doesn't make a difference. Um, but when you take someone else's money, a VC is raising money from their partners, limited partners, typically they're called, um, and they're telling them, hey, out of all of our portfolio companies, we're going to have one unicorn that's going to go to a billion dollars, and then the rest are just going to go out of business. And so VC's jobs is to force money into companies, have them all kind of grow as quickly as possible, and really quickly understand who's going to be that billion dollar company and who's going to be all of the zeros. They're not looking for this somewhere in between. And so when you, you know that you have that force behind you, um, trying to grow at all costs, in economic downturns, when you need to you know, kind of tighten the pants a little bit. You can't raise as much money. It's harder to find customers. Um, again, it's uh, it, it's kind of just economics. You, you have to lay off people because you can't afford to keep them on it because it's harder to raise money and stuff like that. So I think it's just, you have to really understand, and this is probably getting a little bit too deep into the weeds, the background of why raising money is different than raising money from uh, no one or just raising money from your customers and, and doing the profitable thing. Do you think we've, become too reliant or too focused on VC money. You know what I mean? There, 25 years ago, if you started a company, the focus was on making money and surviving. Now the focus yeah. is on raising money. Making money is a, is a later problem. Yeah, I think I don't. And let me give you my perspective for a second. Like as we're building purpose jobs, um, we haven't taken any money. We've just been growing off of our customer revenue and stuff like that. But uh, that is not the right thing for everyone. I think raising money sometimes is a really great thing, but I think it's important to know when to raise it. Are you raising it right in the beginning when you don't know whether you have product market fit or are you raising money because it's like, all right, 
I know I can make one plus one equals 17 once I get a customer. Now I need to raise money to kind of really throw a lot of fuel on it. So I don't want to come off and saying, hey, raising money is bad. Actually, I think it's good for a lot of folks, but um, you just have to understand the pros and cons of both of it, but before you get into it. Got it. Um, this was this was a highly efficient podcast. We're gonna we're gonna get you out of here in record time, but uh, I, I want to highlight purpose jobs to to kind of uh, round out this episode. But um, tell us what it is, uh, and and then specifically why did you start it? Yeah. So uh, let me start with the why first. Um, so so we started purpose jobs essentially, like I was saying before, to elevate the middle of the country. Right? How can we make um, you know, the Midwest and other emerging tech markets, um, you know, be a great hub for startup and tech companies. And also, I think, you know, from a job seeker perspective, bringing more opportunities to more people. And so that's why we started it. The way that we've built our community has been through videos, newsletters, content, a variety of ways to get our story out about the companies, about job seekers, um, about the middle of the country and stuff like that. Economically, right? How do we stay in business? We run a two-sided marketplace. So free for job seekers and employers pay us a yearly subscription um, to help them tell their story through all of the things that I mentioned through, you know, employer branding efforts. Um, and also we have a hiring platform where they can post jobs, receive applicants, make hires and all of that stuff. We don't charge, um, you know, headhunting fees or anything like that. We want to become long-term partners with all of our companies and our candidates and really be an advisor or sometimes we call it just a friend, um, you know, as people are going through, you know, their job search or looking for um, the next person to join their team. Um. I lied. I have one more follow-up question. Uh, you you mentioned employer branding. Yeah, that to me is somewhat of a of a new or at least um, you know categorized item that people are thinking about within a company. You know what I mean? There's there's a lot of companies back in the day that sold themselves. If you wanted to work for Nike, you know it sold itself. You know uh, yep. you want to work for Apple, it sold itself. But for a lot of companies, new, old, in between. What does that mean? And, and how do they go about selling what it's like to work for our company? Yeah, if you think about it this way, like a lot of employers are great at selling to customers, um, but they need to also be great at selling to candidates. And so through employer branding efforts, it's really focused on telling that company's story. And so let's say you're hiring for a software engineer surprise, everyone else is hiring for a software engineer, but what separates you from the company, you know, down the street, it's having a unique vision, mission, purpose, team, and things like that. And so for us, what we are focused on is really just highlighting those amazing things that's, you know, happening at a company and every company has its own culture, its own DNA. And what we try to really do is just elevate it and amplify it because not all candidates are good for every single company. There's not the right match for everyone. And so um, we want to focus on amplifying a company's story, amplifying an individual story and making sure kind of like a dating app, there's a, <laughs> there's a good match there. And does that happen in the interview process before that or all kind of intertwined? Yeah. Yes, um, there's a lot of things going on, but I, I guess to simplify it from our product perspective, we actually treat it very much like a dating app. So we have profiles for companies, profiles for individuals. Um, and yes, we ask you the basic questions, compensation, location, skill set, and stuff like that. But we also ask you culture-related questions. Do you love working for a big company, small company? Is it important to have professional growth, DE&I? Um, how would you rank um, working in a team with X, Y, and Z? And so what we try 
try to do is really just extract as much information as we can out of employers and out of candidates and really just match up based on that. And then obviously people go through the interview process, first round, second round interviews and, and things like that. Got it. Um, okay, last question. Sometimes it's the hardest one. Yeah. Uh, and you're you're probably only one of three people outside of Ohio um, that we've had on the podcast. So always an interesting answer to these. But <laughs> favorite favorite go to restaurants or if somebody was visiting Detroit for the first time, where are you advising them to go? Could be breakfast, lunch or dinner, whatever you got. Okay, I'm going to kind of answer your question here. I was in Columbus last week um, okay. and I was at a restaurant on, um, I forget which street it's called, but it's called The Pearl. They yeah, had this I brown, think. yeah, they had this brown sugar, uh, brown butter slice of pie and it was amazing. And so that was um, incredible. Right. Um, and then, so, so that would be my Columbus recommendation, Detroit recommendation. There's um, this restaurant called Flowers of Vietnam amazing Vietnamese food, um, incredible vibe. It was actually like a Coney Island that they completely renovated. Um, and it's just um, out of this world food. And so Columbus, I'm going to go with the pearl, but specifically the pie and flowers of Vietnam in Detroit. Nice. Awesome. Uh, where can everybody find you if they want to learn more about uh, you and, and Purpose Jobs? Yeah, a couple different places. One um, is our website is purpose.jobs. Um, and also feel free, anyone can, can email me, ryan at purpose.jobs. Um, happy to answer any questions, talk about the community, talk about obviously finding a job, um, employers that are hiring, however we can be helpful. Um, that is why we started the business and that's why we're, we are here. Awesome. Well, listen, Ryan, we appreciate it. Thank you again for coming on and, and squeezing us in today. And uh, we'll talk with you soon. Well, thanks for having me, my friend. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Rust Belt Rundown. Make sure you check us out at rustbeltrecruiting.com. The Rust Belt Rundown is available wherever you listen to your podcasts. Make sure to hit that subscribe button and click on five stars if you enjoyed this episode. See you next time.